Welcome back to Untangled Vines, redefining the rules of work. In today's episode, we're thrilled to introduce Simon Holmes, a pioneering leader who has redefined the way we work, blending his creative and SaaS industry experiences into a groundbreaking approach. Nine years ago, Simon embarked on a journey managing a globally distributed team spanning the UK, Tel Aviv, and Europe. Fueled by a vision of inclusivity, he laid the foundation of what we now recognize as the remote first model, ensuring that no team member felt like a second class citizen. Fast forward to 2020, when the CEO made the bold decision to permanently close all global offices thrusting Simon into the forefront of the remote work revolution. His unique combination of experience, vision, and execution led him to spearhead the future of work strategy at his company. Simon, a published author, seasoned SaaS leader, coach, and consultant, has dedicated his entire career to harmonizing humanity and technology. He's developed the remote team operating system accompanied by a transformational program designed to empower leaders in any work setting, be it on-set, hybrid, or fully remote. The core principle, location should no longer be a limiting factor. We at Grapevine 100% believe that, Simon. Join us today as Simon Holmes shares his insights and wisdom, guiding leaders like you in transforming your teams into high-performing remote or hybrid models within just 90 days. Discover how you can enhance engagement, efficiency, and profitability under his mentorship. We'll also link a free 45-minute strategy call with Simon that you can schedule and take advantage of today. Now prepare as we delve into the world of remote leadership with Simon Holmes on this episode of Untangled Vines, Redefining the Rules of Work. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Untangled Vines, Redefining the Rules of Work. Today we have a special guest, Simon Holmes. He's out overseas for us. Uh, Simon, thanks so much for being here and being a part of this community. Hey Zach, thanks so very much for having me. Yeah, out here in the UK. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to say it correctly because I know that you said you were somewhat in London, but off the outskirts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you for being here. And like I like to do, I'm just going to go ahead and dive into it. So I know that you work closely with CEOs and teams to bring the future of work into operational present. And first, I, I've realized that we throw that word, those set of words around a lot, future of work. So I wanted to ask you, how do you define future of work? And what does that mean you're helping organizations with specifically? That is actually a very good question. And uh, <laughs> it doesn't get asked enough, I don't think. But so to me, the future of work, it's, and you know, why I kind of dedicate myself to it is it's, it's a, it's a more conscious and more intentional way of uh, working, right? So we actually start thinking about how we go about daily work, which we haven't done for, for decades, <laughs> if ever, right? As a, mm -hmm. like, as a collective, as the masses, right? We had, uh, forced into factories and all this type of thing in the industrial age. And mm -hmm. we haven't 
really done anything about that since we just changed the factories to offices <laughs> and then you know we added in technology so like laptops mobile phones and so we go to offices uh yet we then we take the work home with us and we're always on and it's it's you know it's it's breaking people right we've seen mm. like stress epidemics and burnout and and all of this and it's you know there's there's just there's a better way of of doing things and for me the future of work is finding out what that is you know mm. so it's we don't we don't have an answer yet it's a it's a growth area right it's it's mm -hmm. something we're exploring and you know to your question about what do we do when working with companies it's working with ceos and the leadership to figure out a better way of working for that company or that team mm. and how they can they can work together in yeah. a way that you know in a way that is more intentional it's a bit more conscious it pays it pays respects to kind of the humanity of us and you know we're yeah. you know we're built for like physical endurance much more than we are mental endurance and yet mm -hmm. most of the work we do now is kind of it's it's mentally taxing right mm -hmm. and you know i think we all know that you don't have like eight plus really good focus hours in a day it's actually like between four and six right it's the maximum mm -hmm. you can get out of like in general most people it's what they have mm -hmm. right so expecting more and forcing more just leads to the stress and the burnout whereas yeah. you know so if we start thinking a little bit more about you know working with human nature rather than against it right then mm -hmm. we can we can figure out how to work better together and what that means for for these companies you know especially mm -hmm. you know we talk a lot about now about flexibility and remote work and hybrid work and you know that all that comes into it you know we weren't built to go to these random places and come back it's kind of <laughs> it's like you know we build up these pseudo communities at work but it's not the proper mm. community that makes us feel whole and connected to something bigger right so yeah. that's why we need the flexibility um you know i don't go in for everyone i don't think everyone should be fully remote at all times i don't think everyone should be like forced to go to an office all the time either right there's there's different paths there's the way in the middle that works for uh, for me right it's really important that you work it's good for business and it's good for people and you put those together and it ends up being like good for society right yeah yeah and th th that's what we're trying to do with grapevine um where we have that aspect of community building uh, i call it going beyond the squares so like you and i right now are in squares and typically during the squares you have these conversations that are highly professional and they're all about the business or the company and they're not necessarily about that individual so we want to bring that aspect into uh, remote and hybrid uh, companies because you mentioned a word that I use a lot whenever I talk about the future of work or remote is you have to be intentional as a company. And I think that that is a huge part. And you even mentioned uh, the intentionality or, or the underlining theme whenever you're working with the companies that you help. It it goes basically based off of their culture and what they're mm -hmm. trying to achieve, right? So like we'll get into it a little bit later with some like high level strategies and different things like that. But how do you typically go into an organization and help them prepare and then enter into the future of work? 
Yeah. Awesome. So it's, as you say, it starts, got to start with where they are. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you know, really have to help like leaders understand that it's not, uh, it's not the top down thing. You know, mm. we, we see this like in so many newspapers, particularly around like, uh, the headlines, like, you know, all the return to office mandates and, you know, things like that. And the reason they get all this pushback, well, one of the reasons is that <laughs> they're just doing it top down. Right. Yeah. And there need needs to be, um, a collaborative effort. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's because different people and different companies have different needs and how leaders work is actually very different from how individual contributors work and, you know, the mm -hmm. spaces, the connections and, you know, what they need to feel like they've had a good day is very different. Um, so they need to work together to figure it out. And that's, that's where I, I start, right. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, the, we start working through got like an 11 step plan. You work through creating like a blueprint or a, a team charter, right? Working mm -hmm. agreements for your team. Right. Um, but you do it collaboratively so that people are bought in, they know kind of why it's important. And, you know, sometimes you can actually get more of the face to face time, maybe some more actual time in offices actually comes out of this because. Mm -hmm there's a reason there's a benefit and the like everybody has decided this is actually a really good way of doing things is to come together this often to do these yeah. types of things as opposed to you know that the top-down mandate of you will come <laughs> into the office like tuesday wednesday thursday and you know that's it because it's it's important uh, but everyone's like <laughs> well those days i do i'm mainly just on like zoom with people in other companies yeah. or, you know other other <laughs> offices so it's like there is, um, it, it lacks that intentionality. So if you add that intentionality and you co-create it, mm -hmm. then you actually develop something that works for everybody. And of course, always like to, like, as we started, the future of work is not set, right? There's not like yeah. an answer. So <laughs> this is where you start and you, you iterate, right? So you keep mm -hmm. moving, keep moving forwards. Yeah. And, and one of the things that you mentioned there kind of reminds me of before uh, Grapevine, I was working at a company that was 100% remote. And what I realized now, maybe I have a biased opinion because I was on the leadership team, but I did feel like the organization was more flat compared to being in the in the office. And then that offers a certain uh, amount of autonomy for employees but I can see where that could be a little bit difficult for leaders who are used to having people in the office. They can see them work. And I put quotations marked there because I know that you've probably read Google is thinking about adding or they might have already added um, uh, basically showing up participation grades to their uh performance or employee performance grades. And it's like, if you show up, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be working. Um, so I wanted to call that out. And, but, but a, another part of remote work, if we stick on that topic is, is you mentioned earlier burnout. And so now I kind of want to switch gears about, because um, I know that you led a collaborative effort to establish an asynchronous first way of working. And I know that that uh, benefited employees in self-identified or, or reduced self-identified burnout. So 
I kind of want to go into that story and learn about how, how did this initiative come to light and was it tough to get the executives on board or now that we have this conversation, was it more uh, difficult to get the employees on board? I know that was a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. So yeah, if we just rewind back to the, to the beginning. So this effort actually, the, the initiative started like quite early on in the pandemic because mm. um, the, the company I was at, we were, it's a global company, um, offices around the world from Europe, US, APAC. And mm-hmm. we, on, on, sadly, we kind of, we lost an engineer in a young engineer who was based in Seattle. We lost it really early on in, um, in the pandemic and the CEO was mm-hmm. like, right, if the offices aren't safe, right? If they're not safe environments for our people, then we're just going to close them all, close them all globally, and we're going to go fully remote, and we're going to figure out how we do that. Yeah, right. You know, and that's that. That's what happened. That kind of kickstarted the the initiative of that. And he was um, he was kind of very aware actually that the best way of doing this type of thing was to crowdsource ideas and crowdsource sort of knowledge of of, of how this works. Yeah, right. that's a just to jump in. That's a unique uh, leader right there too to crowdsource employees' voices because a lot of times they don't think about like that. For some, we have this body of mm-hmm. people, tons of resources. Not only the experience that they're putting forth to the company now, but their previous experience. So I just want to call that out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, I kind of yeah, I, I, I'll probably touch on this a little bit more later, but. So, you know, that CEO, he was like, he was a real entrepreneur. He was the founder of the company Mm. and often find there's quite a difference in the mentality between like the entrepreneurial (laughs) founder and the sort of hiding career exec, right? Yeah, Um, definitely. Who who, they are the ones who are more likely to push back some, some more subtly than others, but, (laughs) you know, push back on this, as you say, it kind of gives more decentralized control flattens the hierarchy a little bit Mm -hmm. and a lot of like the career career execs they've got to where they are because they like the power they like the you know the control they they, you know that that's what drives them is like being at the top of that of that pyramid Mm -hmm. and if you flatten it down all of a sudden it's like it it kind of impacts their identity right and as, as well as you know this is how they know they can be effective is by doing it the way they've done it. And <laughs> if you don't have that entrepreneurial mindset, like the, like a founder is more likely to have, then it's more threatening than, you know, let's yes. figure this out. This is actually quite exciting. You know, the, the <laughs> you know, the entrepreneurial mindset, right. Which is, yeah. yeah. Okay. We've got an opportunity here. So it's, yeah, that's, um, you know, it ties into one of your other questions about how, how do you kind of deal with, uh, deal with the execs right yeah it's a challenge <laughs> right yeah it really is kind of um i think you know the, the bigger the company the more likely it is you're going to have more of the more old school execs if you like mm-hmm. um but you know and again the 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 way that we did it though is they say it was really crowdsourced and you're kind of end up leading this leading this collaborative effort there's like over 200 people and kind of getting lots of input from all over the place. And, you know, we 
Uh, we used to have some like ex-Amazon employees and they actually have a really good sort of documentation, asynchronous documentation first way of working, mm. right? And so kind of we sort of borrowed some of that, brought in some of our own cultural stuff and kind of really start working around how do you change, how do you change the behaviors, right? Mm. To be um, going from that always, always on high visibility, high presence stuff, because again, everyone was like worried and really yeah. anxious, right? About everything early, early in the <laughs> pandemic. And it's like, okay, I definitely need to keep my job. So I am going to stay, right? I'm going to make sure everyone knows I'm I'm working yep. all the time, right? By being online, I'm going to reply to everything straight away. I'm going to join all the meetings, but I'm actually really tired. So I'm going to join all the meetings, but not say anything, or I got to keep my mm. camera off. And yeah. yeah, all of this, all of these things happened that kind of just actually uh, bog the business down and slow it down by these, by trying to work in the old way in a different sort of paradigm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that that makes it difficult because a lot of these people, especially during the pandemic, they never worked remotely or maybe they had like a touch remote where maybe they were traveling and then they would respond to something or uh, maybe it was just like a Slack message or something like that. And that was the extent of their remote capabilities. So they had to learn. Um, how can we keep business as usual in an entirely different uh, environment where I can't go over to Simon, who's in the next cubicle beside me and say, hey, uh, we're going to be talking about this next week. Can you help me out? Instead, you got to say, hey, Simon, are you available on Tuesday at eight o'clock to have this conversation? Um, so I, I can imagine that that's tricky. Um, so kind of going in, in, in that path, what, what are some, and you can keep a high level, uh, steps that, that you took for this company to make it a reality. I, th there's a couple of questions like how long did it take, uh, who was involved and how did you make it stick? And I think that last part is the most important. Well, they're all important, but to me, I want to know how, how you made it stick. Yeah. Um, so again, I come back to making, you've got to make it collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. And by doing that, you will actually naturally, you'll get the, uh, so you've got like the, the official, like sort of org chart hierarchical leaders, but you also mm -hmm. have the kind of the unofficial social or cultural leaders, right? The opinion leaders, right? Yeah. They kind of tie offices and teams together, right? Through unofficial channels. Mm -hmm. And it's often these people who are more interested in volunteering to collaborate. Yeah. Right. So they will help bring along and involve uh, the other people, right? More people. But I would say it's, it's also really important to note that you're not going to get a hundred percent of everyone behind everything. Right. We had, um, and I think it's still going on to this day, arguments over whether we should use Google Hangouts or Google uh, or Slack for, for things because ah. it's like for one team, <laughs> Slack is perfect because it's got all these integrations into all the coding oh. systems. For another team, it's like that's just overloaded. They just want <laughs> like the almost SMS style of like Google Meet and Hangouts. That is, yeah. That's what the leadership and the sales team prefer. 
And uh, so you're not ever going to have 100% <laughs> of people happy, right? Yeah. And I think you have to be you have to be okay with that, but it's it's moving it forward mm -hmm. by using and creating these little pockets of people who are helping you drive it forward, helping you create the change, not only bring their experience in to, to mm -hmm. share that with you, but then they take the output back and talk about it in, um, in a more involving way, in a way that's not like the CEO saying, right, this is how we now work. You're going to work for these hours. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. This it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's much more, we let the, the things evolve, you know, so we created frameworks for, um, well, for how we, the, the big one for how we actually run asynchronous as a asynchronous first as, mm -hmm. a, as a general operating model, right? That was that main framework mm -hmm. and how we create collaborative documents asynchronously, how we really make yeah. sure meetings are valuable, right? Yeah. Putting these, putting these, these frameworks in place to help people get their time back and feel more in control and that you, that they don't have to be like online all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're being, you're actually, you're actually providing value. You're making value by doing other things. Right? Yeah. And th that makes sense. Um, I was, I was talking to Tammy B. Ellen on, on this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago and her, her company Workplaceless involves a communication charter and you mentioned a, a similar like a team charter and and what i'm finding whenever i'm talking to the future of work pioneers like yourself is <clears throat> it really comes down to communication transparency and clarity i think that that could be a good summary of like what needs to happen in a remote and hybrid organization because like you said in the office it was defined for us nine to five you're going to drive to this location, you're going to sit at this place, and you're going to work from this time to this time, and then you're going to leave home and get stuck in traffic. Um, <laughs> but but that's, so what we're doing right now, kind of what you were saying at the beginning is we're defining the future of work. What does it look like? And what makes it more difficult from what I'm experiencing is not one company is the same. Uh, we're in different time zones. We are working at different hours. And we have all these different tools that can be helpful, but at the same time can be distracting. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's very difficult on that. And, and, and that kind of translates into the last portion of this, which is the reducing the burnout piece. Um, cause, cause I know that with this initiative, you were able to, as I mentioned, reduce the self-identified burnout. Um, can you elaborate on, on, on that approach and, and why it's benefit or beneficial to remote and hybrid teams? Like what strategies were most effective? Uh, it might just be what we just talked about. Um, and then, and really what I'm asking is like, why is it important for organizations and leaders to care about this topic? And the reason I'm asking is because I do feel like a lot of leaders think of burnout or emotional intelligence or anything like that as soft skills that can seem fluffy. It's just like mm. a Gen Z or a millennial thing. So yeah, why is this important? And, and especially for remote and hybrid organizations. 
So I think it's especially important for hybrid and remote because issues around burnout and stress are can be harder to spot, right? Mm, yeah, because you're not, you don't have the people in front of you all the time. It's uh, it's harder to spot people who may be who may be stressed or maybe crashing or or whatever for uh, for whatever reason. Um, so it it's it's it just increases the amount of time it takes to to spot that, which then that actually costs, you know, in terms of business, right? It costs mm -hmm. productivity time. Um, and then on the personal side, right, people actually slip further and further down the slope. So it takes yeah. longer to be able to come back from that and get back to where you should be operating at, which mm -hmm. is, uh, so that's bad for personal reasons and for business reasons, you know? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's not, it's not a fluffy thing, right? It's a really, no. it's a really, really important thing for um yeah for, for you know for the bottom line and for your you know your people um, mm -hmm. you know and if people are people are crashing and they're burning out then that actually puts more stress on the other people who are left right because they end up kind of like picking up the slack and you know it, it reduces morale engagement and motivation so you end up they may you know increases your attrition risk so then that also costs attrition is like one of the biggest hidden costs yeah. of, um, of business, right? It's like for every person that goes, it's like you're looking at, I think Sherm said three to four times the annual salary in terms of like cost to the business, in terms yeah. of lost productivity and hiring costs and everything like that. It's, uh, it's yeah. a big, it's a big thing. So it is really, really important to keep that stress and that burnout um, low for yeah, all those reasons, right? For yeah, yeah. productivity, um, retention, engagement. Right. Yeah. I, I always wonder why company, because I did my thesis on the happy productive worker thesis and that started, I want to say around the great depression, uh, the study started. So almost over a hundred years. And so we've known at least to a certain extent, maybe it wasn't fully causal, um, but it was definitely correlated. And over a hundred years, we've only in the past, maybe like 30 years started to think about this. Uh, and, and it's just kind of, I, I don't understand. Um, but, but <laughs> no, <I really laughs> what, it's, it's baffling sometimes. Right? <laughs> it, it, yeah. It, it's almost, sometimes I don't even like saying it that a happy worker is a more productive worker. It's just think about yourself, you know, the, the happier you are, how more engaged are you? How, how more likely mm -hmm. are you willing to step in and help, you know, inside and outside of the organization? So you're not just helping the companies, you're helping the world if you want to get like that uh, mm -hmm. broad with it, you know? Um, but just speaking on that, what, what are some tips that you have for encouraging uh, a leader or a company to foster this type of culture where they care, maybe one of, maybe it's a mixture of they care about the employee's well-being, and then that, that results as lower burnout. So what uh, tips in terms of, um, how do we get that culture, culture going and yeah, yeah. Like for example, the, the company that I used to work for, um, they gave us subscriptions to calm the calm app. And so we had that on on demand kind of self improvement, mm -hmm. meditation, reducing that stress and that kind of stuff. But then we also brought in 
uh, speakers. Like one, one was ergonomics. So we got the physical aspect of it. One was more on the emotional intelligence side. Um, and then the other was like how to navigate the remote work environment. So those are some of the tips. I, I wanted to see if you had like any, any others or unique ways of approaching it. Yeah, no, those are great. Yeah. It's, uh, again, I, I keep coming back to this, but it's, it's, you know, collaboration, bring the people in. Yeah. Right? It's, uh, get people feeling involved. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, you know, learn, learn from them. And not only can they bring, you know, problems and issues, but they'll also bring solutions and ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that will likely have some of the biggest impacts because, yeah. you know, they have the buy-in already from a section of the people, at least, as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, oh, it's another corporate initiative. We've got another speaker coming in and it's kind of like, can we do, you know, can, can we get anything practical out of it? Or is it just another check pocket, check box exercise? Yeah. You know, it's, it's listen, listen to the people, get, get them involved and bring them in. What do they, what do people need? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, this, so before the pandemic in my team, so I was running a um, client facing engineering team and the level of like interruptions and escalations was just absolutely insane because not only were they client facing also dealing with um, like customer success managers, products and mm -hmm. sales, marketing kind of team was really sort of sat in the middle yeah. and it's kind of really almost impossible to get any focus work done. Mm, so, yeah. you know, some we did was then created, um, call it, uh, it's, it's like an asynchronous, an asynchronous clinic. So we set up a, like a help form and it all comes in and we have people will go through every day, sometimes just be able to just answer it within an hour and then, and just give a response back. And mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, there'd also be these fixed office hours where we'd go through and say, okay, we're going to, you five people are actually going to talk about your tickets today because we've got responses, but we need to chat with you. Mm -hmm. So kind of, we got all of the noise and compressed it. We took it to one side, right <laughs> in this thing, and then compressed it so that, you know, we could say you're is planning, is planning your reactive work. If you like, yeah, is a way to yeah. think about it because a lot of the escalations are it's kind of like, they haven't got back to me fast enough, or I don't know when I'm going to hear, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of, um, but we've got a system in place. It's like, you're always getting updates, right? Mm -hmm. You've got this, you know, it's being looked after, you know, it's going to sort of get a response. Um, and just kind of takes that anxiety away. So you lose that, uh, you, you lose that sort of need to keep chasing and escalating because you know when you're going to get something back so it's yeah, yeah it's so yeah it's, it's a long way of saying uh, <laughs> find ways to create the focus time what is what is building what is generating all the distractions mm -hmm. what is creating all the interruptions for your people that you can you can reduce how yeah. can you how can you bring those in you know and it and again by doing that we actually managed to share the load and got really good sort of, sort of teamwork going across everything that came in, sharing yeah. a lot more knowledge because it came in kind of a central point and everyone would be able to talk about it. So it actually had all these sort of side benefits. You know, the idea was we need 
you guys to be able to focus on this, <laughs> this kind of engineering work and the building work you're doing. You can't do that if you're being like, interrupted like every five, 10 minutes. It doesn't, it's not, it's not scalable. It's not going to last. You know? Yeah. That's true. And that reminds me because I mentioned those things that we did. And I, I will say that whenever we did have that speaker come in, like the first couple of times, I was like excited about it. I was, I showed up towards the end. It was like, well, I don't know if I can actually do this because the workload is so heavy that like, if I take an hour to focus on my well being, it's, it's kind of contradictory of myself because I'm trying to build a better working world and I'm not listening to myself. Um, but the, the, the big call out there that you said was, bringing back the collaboration piece, because whenever an employee's voice is heard, whether or not you move forward with that uh, actual suggestion, they still feel like value more valued than um, in the, the last podcast that I did with Karen Hurt, and she has the book called Courageous Cultures. She talked about how the reason that a lot of people didn't speak up was for two main reasons. One, uh, their managers were taking their ideas and claiming them as their own. And then two was uh, they felt like they wouldn't be heard or that it didn't matter what they said. And so like bringing that collaborative or fostering that collaborative culture and actually taking in their input and then not even just taking it in because that's what a lot of companies do, but then they forget about the execution piece of it, which is the biggest yeah. part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ideas are simple, but execution is hard. And so I like that you called that out where you're you're organizing f- directly from the employees what it is that they need to be successful in their job. And it goes back to what you were saying before, where it's not just top down, it's it's the entire company that you should get involved in this. I, I do have a question about that because a lot of people have ideas. Not all of them are great. How do you <laughs> how do you cipher between that and navigate those conversations with the people who might not have the best ideas? <laughs> uh, with a great deal of diplomacy. It's, mm. uh, <laughs> it's, it's it. <laughs> Uh, you're right. Uh, you do get a you do get a whole mixed bag of mm-hmm. of ideas and quality of suggestions, and you know sometimes it's you know, the suggestion is just because someone is like super narrow minded and focused, mm-hmm. you know, on their thing. It's kind of you know it's like we should all have ergonomic mice just because they like an ergonomic <laughs> mouse, right? And they they yeah. the budget didn't have one, so you know you kind of. You so normally have to try and find a way of looking past what they say to what they actually mm. mean, right? So yeah. it's like um, consultancy one hundred and one, right? So yeah, yeah. what is what do you actually want? You've told me what you think a solution is, but I need to know what your problem is, and I'll tell you what the the better yeah. solution is, right? Yeah, and there's a there's there's an awful lot of that, and and also. You know, you talked about, you know, yeah, doing this for the whole company. So yes, it's it's yes and no. So you kind of have company level frameworks, mm-hmm. but it works much better if you then let teams create their own sort of team charters, if you like how they mm. work. So you've got you've got sort of the the overall principles um of the of the the company. These this is the kind of the culture we want to 
foster want to follow mm -hmm. but you can create your own working agreements your own team charter for how you do things you you know how you collaborate what's important to you what are you working on um how do you do it? how how often do you do you need to get together and work how often do you have you know some teams will need a daily stand-up some don't you know for yeah example, just really really basic things like that but you know you mentioned this before right it's clarity is giving clarity to everybody about where they are where they stand and you know we went through a phase of yeah we had daily stand-ups and then we ended up reducing that to just three times a week because that worked mm -hmm. better for our team but it was you change it you need yeah. to keep it again it needs to be flexible so you can change it and let other teams figure out the the cadences that the work best for them and but then you know it does get fun because you obviously have cross-functional things and different teams talking to each other but you, if you start by having the clarity within the teams that gives mm -hmm. um really good hooks for how teams actually interact with each other right? yeah sometimes it's kind of they'll just they'll it'll just mesh with your work and other times it's like we work like this yeah but we work like this okay so let's figure out how we work together right mm -hmm. so you know there's um I don't, I don't think this is actually unique or new to kind of uh remote work or mm -hmm. hybrid work but it's just like so many things just a spotlight has been shown on it's just been put on these things that we don't anyone who's been working in an office for the last decade or two know that it's just not very good right it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. there's band-aids all over the place and we just yeah. come up with it this is this is office life this is just work this is how it is and now it's like actually you take the office away and those band-aids fell off and it's like yeah. oh this isn't working how do we do this how do we get 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 this to work yeah but as you say kind of different teams they're not talking every day and all of a sudden they're not in the same office either and it's like oh uh i can't just walk over and like have this yeah. random chat and i can't say oh not on the phone i'll go and talk to them you can't do that in the same way so how do you do it how do you connect because you know by the way just walking over and interrupting someone at their desk also not an ideal working practice right <laughs> yeah yeah that's another distraction yeah <laughs> for the people who say the office is less distracting uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but no no that 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 is so true the way that you use that metaphor where having an office allows you to cover up with band-aids and keep it held together or maybe duct tape right and mm -hmm. and whenever you go to a 100% remote or even flexible hybrid then it's calling or or it's really bringing to light the ugly so to speak where we might have not needed to fully digest or create a full-on strategy for everybody to understand because we're in the same office we're going to have meetings daily we're going to go over there and talk to the employees and, and have this conversation but to me it always goes back to intentionality whenever you're a remote or hybrid company and i would say more specifically remote just from my experience is you you have to get very practical and tangible on or tactical on what it is that you're trying to accomplish and then feed that to everybody in the company. And, and again, it goes back to that transparency, the clarity, the communication, collaboration, all that. 
And I think, honestly, this is just my opinion. I'll, I'll get your take on it. I think leaders who are trying to force people back into the office are actually more lazy because, and I, maybe that's controversial, but I think that they're more lazy because it takes more effort to be remote, but the outcome is happier employees, more productive employees, uh, better well-being, less, well, maybe not less burnout, but <laughs> it depends on how you structure that. But what is your take on that? Just a hot take <laughs> that came to my mind. Yeah. That, it's, yeah, it's a very interesting point. It's a good way of putting it. I think it comes down to there's a, it's, it's often self-serving to a mm. degree, right? I know we talked about this before, where it's sort of uh, your leaders and individual contributors need different things, right? And leaders tend to, they do have a lot of, a lot more meetings. And so it's, it can be quite good for them to be in an office, just call people into your meetings, you know, mm -hmm. they don't have to go anywhere. It can be more efficient for them, mm -hmm. right? That's on the one hand. And then you know, it's looking at, as you say, it's like, uh, you look at, okay, everyone seems busy. That's my productivity check, Yeah, right? <laughs> Which is um, not the best productivity measure in the world. <laughs> I was gonna put that out there. And yeah. Yeah, same for same for engagement, um, you know, you can look at, okay. Okay, if there's, um, there's some laughter, uh, but not too mm -hmm. much. So, you know, we're kind of, you know, so yeah, that's about right. Or people are having too much fun. We need to focus on getting that yeah. down. <laughs> Well, everyone's like really down. We need to have a happy hour or something, you know. So it's, <laughs> and that's what they're used to. That's how they just, you know, just finger in the air type mm -hmm. approach to, which is, it's kind of mind boggling. I think we'll look back in like a, yeah. a decade or so thinking, you, how did you run your business just by, I know, assuming <laughs> someone sat at a desk so things are getting done and they're happy, right? It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, it's one of the things I look at you know, quite a lot is how do you, how do you actually measure and manage to productivity, right? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, cause I think it's important for leaders to be able to have that, almost that finger on the pulse type of thing. So, cause you can't wait for the end of the quarter or the end of the year to see your profits have gone down, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. You want to know in like three weeks, if there's a productivity issue somewhere, right? That's yeah. much better, right? Cause you get, you're, you're ahead of the game. And the same with engagement, because, you know, if you're, you say happy workers, happy workers do better. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And you can, yes, you can get a bit of a vibe of that if you're together uh, in offices and whatever, but you can also get that remotely by other ways, like yes. whether it's like little pulse surveys or sentiment things, right? Some of it's just like a, how's your week been? Smiley face. Yeah. Or, not you know um and yeah i think it's yeah but yeah to come back to actually your original point is yeah it's it, it works for leaders to be in the office more than it does for individual contributors so mm -hmm. um yeah you could could well say it's kind of it's there's a laziness there there's a self-serving and there's a I don't want to figure out how to do it differently. This way has always worked for me. Yeah. Which from my research, it, it seems like by 2025, the majority of the workforce will be millennials and Gen Z's uh, or Gen Zers. And so I think that those leaders who are 
promoting that type of thinking of the old way is how we should do it and we should go back to normal are going to kind of be lost in the dust uh, because what we're seeing now is that the employees are driving what uh, companies will do. Yeah, just the, the simple uh, call out or the headlines of Amazon, Apple, Google, Tesla, like trying to get their employees back into the office and then their employees just straight up not going back to the office, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. um, but, but I do think like just on that topic, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier where it, it, you didn't say this specifically, but it kind of starts with why, or you have to deliver the why of if we do need to go back to the office, because there's some like Tesla, the, the cars aren't going to build themselves. You know, you have to, I mean, they do have robots that help and all that kind of stuff, but you actually need a physical person in the office. Okay have those people come into the office, tell them why, and maybe if they can give them raises or something like that. I don't know if that's the actual correct answer, but then like the, the knowledge base, uh, workers or, or not knowledge base, the knowledge workers, um, where they're at a computer all day. And like you said, if they're going into the office and they're just sitting on zoom meetings, what's the point? You're wasting space and you're kind of, allowing or not allowing making them take a hit on their own well-being but like you said some people like going into the office some people don't but having that flexibility is is the real goal here um but i know that uh there was another section but i'm gonna skip to uh the collaboration with corn fairy because i wanted i wanted to get your take on this because uh i don't know how how uh, up to date you are on like us, uh, I won't call it politics, but it's kind of politics with D E and I, right? So I know that you collaborated with uh, corn Ferry, which is a global organizational consulting firm. Um, you helped devi uh, developed higher hiring profiles and success pillars for all the roles and, and levels globally. So how can organizations level or leverage frameworks like that to enhance their remote and hybrid work strategies and offer meaningful individual development plans. And this is like specific to Grapevine because our mission is to make work more flexible, inclusive, and fulfilling for everyone. And that inclusivity part is what we're talking about here. So yeah, how, how do you use those types of frameworks to, to develop those things? Okay. Yeah. Interesting question. So, um, yeah. So with Corn Ferry, um, they've got a whole load of great frameworks and one of them, I just wonder if I've got the thing around here somewhere. I do. So, uh, uh, so they have these 38 competencies, right. That you, you prioritize for different roles and whether you need to be you know, sort of your, your top 10, for example, for each role, you know, you have us, these, these are the competencies that you should have, and you have different levels for like different levels in your career path. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with those, you know, it really helps give a framework for how you can create a meaningful sort of development plan. Okay. So, uh, you're here to actually be at the top level in, your, in this role, you should need to work on this competency by doing these things. And this is how we're going to operate over the next sort of six months to see if we can get you there ready for your promotion to this path. So that's, mm -hmm. that's, if you go like a, in the linear way, kind of the self, um, the, uh, the self-development thing mm -hmm. for getting that, 
in your career to the next step. Another way it's actually kind of be really useful, something that companies miss out on all the time is sideways moves or lateral moves, right? Mm, yeah. Because you've got, there are going to be so many like overlapping competencies between different types of roles and different regions. It's like you may have something, something is, is, is missing, but you, it's an easy one to learn, right? You could, yeah. you could move off and you have, there is so much like value in moving people around if they want to, if they want to change the yeah. career, so much value in keeping that people with their knowledge and wider knowledge of the company. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I talk, um, again, also wider, something else that we do, something I always love to do is bring in people from different, uh, different functions. So mm -hmm. you know, we're talking about this, uh, we're working on the asynchronous first thing. We, we there are like 200 people. Mm -hmm. we, we divided them up into like subgroups, but always the aim is to get diverse thinking and input into each one with different experience, connecting people across functions. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, which, you know, depends on the size of the organization, but you know, this was like 2000 people. So it was kind of like yeah. <laughs> over 20 years old. So it had built up some silos and, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and the best thing you can do in a company really is then break down those silos and connect, right? Cause that is going mm -hmm. to help your company move forwards. And that is, that is something you can do by having, if you've got these individual profiles in and, you know, as well as having these competencies that each for each role, you can have the competencies for each person where do they, and so, are you a good fit for for this role are you missing could you move over can you do other things mm -hmm. and so it uh, it creates a much more flexible environment it gives you a framework for being able mm -hmm. to say to open these sort of cross uh cross functional moves so and it um, and you know if we're talking about inclusivity mm -hmm. right it can take away a lot of a lot of the bias yeah right by um, you know, bringing it down to, you know, you can take away, ignore things like the school that you went to and, you know, and the grades or the company you used to work at before, take away all of that because, okay, you know, you demonstrated that you are mm -hmm. good at these things. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, so, I mean, there are obviously loads of things like that from Clifton Strengths. That's a, another really good one. Um, yeah. And, for that's less tied to the the role you're doing, which is where Corn Ferry kind of really that comes yeah. in ties ties the roles to the person, um, and the the competencies kind of sit in between to give you that sort of freedom of movement. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, even yeah, things like almost any of the things like yeah, Clifton Strengths and the DISC profiles yeah. and things like that, they can be really really good to do individually and as and as a team, yeah, right? because it helps you again understand how how people are different. We all know people are different, yet we assume they're going to be the same as us, right? Yeah, that's we're, very we're, true. We're very weird like that. It's kind of <laughs> I know everyone's different, but why aren't you reacting the way I expect you to react? Yeah, that's and, a good call out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know things like you know those those profiling. 
especially when they're then done as a team, it's kind of like, okay, so, okay, you're you're like the driver type of person. I'm like the influencer. This is like mm-hmm. the, the social person. And this is like the really conscientious one. All have places to play in a team. But mm-hmm. if you don't understand the parts each is playing and how they communicate, what's what drives them and what motivates them and, and how they react under pressure, it can actually really damage your team or it can slow you down. Whereas opening up and understanding that, you know, again, it's, it's more inclusive mm-hmm. and you become more understanding of people and diverse sort of personalities. And, you know, we're not even spreading to any kind of edge cases here, right? These are just kind of four big groups of people. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, and then, and that, but that I think is important because it then paves the way to being more aware, understanding, accepting of, of, other things, right? For its sort of neurodiversity, or even just the you know the experiences of like um, minority groups or underserved groups, and it's it's you know some people don't have access or to the same types of funding for schools and colleges, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or they don't have access to the same opportunities that others do, and you know it's it it. I just see this as it kind of it starts paving the way again to being more, more conscious, more intentional, mm-hmm. and more aware of other people's perspectives, other people's experiences, and when we start having more of those open dialogues, we actually end up building. We we build better teams, and we do yeah. better work, and you know we build um, you know better connections, better businesses. Yeah, and, and the the reason that I'm I'm focused on inclusivity is is one, obviously I'm a I'm a white male, and so like uh, think about what you want with that. But there has been like systemic uh, structures out there that has pushed me forward, and one of the ways that I can become an ally in in this world to lift others up is to learn about other people's cultures, uh, other genders, other things that I'm not aware of. And so whenever I think about inclusivity, um, I want the the community that I'm building or the company that I'm building at Grapevine to have these different experiences. And I, I don't know if this segues perfectly, but <laughs> um, what I was thinking is there's kind of like a conflict with remote work at least from what I've read, where you have from the studies that I've seen, it says that like minorities, people of color experience better outcomes in a remote environment. The 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 conflicting part is that there's also statements, I don't know if these are actually stats, that says it's more difficult for an employee who works remotely to climb the ladder. One, are do you have you experienced that? And then two, if you have, how <laughs> I know it's it's a big question, but how can we overcome that if it is true? Interesting. Yeah, so be interesting to see where that sort of stats or statements come from. It's it sounds like more from like uh the previous world of a hybrid thing which was office first mm. office based but some people were remote 
right? Yeah. And in that in that type of scenario, you do get real proximity bias, right? Yeah. Um, and in in those situations, that's where I see the people who are in the office with the with the boss get invited more likely to be invited to the well either it's just you know for just come and have a coffee or get invited to join in the more interesting projects or they're mm-hmm. just more they're, they're more present more front of mind right all the yeah. time yeah just just and, and you can build those people. yeah those clicks kind of like the in-office clicks versus the the loner, again, holding up quotation marks, the loner remote person uh, in their basement coding or something like that. That's not true, but that's that's what I see sometimes. Yes, yeah, uh, agreed. And I think that's something you have to be like really, really careful with. And, you know, I struggled with that when I first started managing distributed teams. It's kind of half of the team were in the same office as me and half were not, right? And it's... And it, you know, that's actually kind of what led me down my career path to here, right? Changing from engineering management to doing this and what I do is how do I give a consistent experience to sort of the people in my team, hmm. you know, regardless of, of where they are, you know, yeah. and I think, I think we, you know, as part of the future of work, we're moving, we're moving towards that, you know, it's going to be, we're looking to be more in more intentional to remove this type of this this proximity bias right this visibility yeah. bias that we've that we've had and we've seen you know and we are hopefully hopefully we can actually <laughs> reduce reduce some of that by being more away you know, even if we're hybrid we need to move it to again a remote first yeah. rather than an office first right? yeah because everybody can work remote first to a degree yeah <laughs> i know i know there, there there are edge cases and i know um we can talk about that i've talked about that before but um okay most people can work <laughs> kind of remotely to some degree but um not everybody can get into an office in a given location yeah right? yeah that's very true so if you want to be able to uh, sort of scale and access the full global talent pool that's out there or even just doesn't have to be global, just be in your entire country, right? Even like yeah. US, pretty big place, right? You're not gonna yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna commute from East Coast to West Coast. Right. Nope. <laughs> um you know, being able to just in, employ people, even from like rural areas, mm-hmm. right, who who can't move for whatever reason, could be family reasons, caring or whatever, they can't move or just don't want to move from the rural into like a city to get yeah. a, to get like a, a tech job. Don't have to now right exactly um so if you if we start moving it to be remote first rather than office first i think we'll i think we'll start to um hopefully kind of address some of that that imbalance that we that we have seen yeah and and one of the things that i was thinking about as you were saying that was we did talk about like uh, people of color minorities who experience the benefit of remote but then maybe like you really did call it out because I didn't think about it like that, where the the issue is that uh, proximity bias versus a couple of people working remote instead of like the entire company is remote first with a hybrid flexible model or something like that, because that could be a little bit less clicky. Some people are in the office sometimes, sometimes they're not, uh, but you could still hire globally or, or nationally. 
the 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 part that I was talking about that we didn't talk about was the uh, disabilities. Uh, people with disabilities, um, they actually have more uh, opportunities whenever it comes to remote work, and plus they don't get that. Um, I don't. I don't it's not microaggression because that's more towards like r racial bias and that kind of stuff. I think I could be wrong, but it's, it's, it's that, uh, stereotypical feeling that you get when you see somebody who is handicapped or disabled, but whenever you see them just in the box, you don't know if they're like in a wheelchair or anything like that. Not that it matters, but mm -hmm. we do have our own biases. Right. And so that allows them to feel like a, a, a whole person again, in my opinion, right? Like I'm speaking for them and, mm -hmm. and haven't uh, given them the chance <laughs> to speak because I haven't met too many. Um, but we do have these mental health issues too. Like I have anxiety and depression and that helps me from working from home because some days I'm less motivated and I could start the day at 10 instead of five like I normally do. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I was just kind of going on a rant there. Um, but the last thing I or did you want to add to that? No, I was just gonna, I was gonna agree with you. I think, um, and, and again, like I'm fully able-bodied, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, from, from what I know, it is, it is something of a leveler, right? Yeah. From, you know, whether it is like a, a physical a disability or kind of like mental sort of mm -hmm. illness, right? You know, cause I've, I've been there too, right? I sort of, well, I've had like physical things where it's kind of, uh, you know, basically I can't, can't walk where it's kind of like I had something wrong with my foot or I kind of, I've had a problem with my back. And it's kind of like, yeah. I actually just need to spend like half the day lying down. Right. Yeah. Difficult to do that in the office, but possible at home. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and like you say, it's kind of things like, yeah, anxiety and depression, you know, disorders. It's, it's, a, it can be a real struggle. Right. So, sort of, um, you know, cause I've, yeah, I've been there and when you're there having to go into a busy office is kind of like, you know, I've been, I've been there sort of, I've got to the office and it's like, that's my energy done for the day. Just getting there yeah. was like, was the Herculean effort. And then yeah. I'm supposed to be on it for eight hours. It's kind of like, you know, dude, I'm spent. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 If, you, if you're at home, you can work, work into it. You can, um, spend a bit of time kind of working on yourself, your mindset, whatever it is that you need to yeah. do to kind of overcome that, give yourself that time to, to then be on there or, you know, adjust your day around a bit. You have more flexibility to, you say, kind of like, I normally start at five, but now I'm going to start at 10, but then maybe I'll move some other stuff around. So I'll end up, I might end up working later or shift it to tomorrow. And it's about exactly. that. It's, a, it's about the flexibility that, you know, that, that we we get and then you get the you get the best out of people as opposed to if you're if you're exhausted by the time you get to the office you're no use to anyone um, yeah but you stay there and you just end up feeling worse and yep. it just that's a slippery slope to burnout yeah because because to burnout but then also you can take it out on your uh co-workers too and then now they mm -hmm. feel bad uh or they're then like rumors start and then it's like this whole spiraling thing but yeah it, it goes to the the point of my opinion again i think nine to five is dead and whenever we trap people in this box um 
it, it, it makes it difficult for them to present their best work. Now, we obviously still have to get the work done. And so you do have to kind of push people on that. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, it's, there's so many benefits to remote work, flexible hybrid that like you, you use the word flabbergasted. I get flabbergasted on people like uh, Jamie Dimon, who says remote workers are lazy and they don't come into the office or, or, they ran their own report and it said that they were more productive in the office. Well, yeah, you want that outcome. You're going to produce it. There's something called data manipulation, um, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but I'll stop. I'll stop. I know that we're going a little bit long, but um, I'm going to skip ahead to the lightning round. If you're up for it. Yeah, go for it. Okay. All right. We'll make this quick. Cause I know yeah. I've taken a lot of your time. <laughs> so, um, so this one, we've had two answers. That went one way. I think we might get the first one the other way, but we'll see. Coffee or tea for those early morning Zoom meetings? Very on British of me, but I'll, I have to say coffee. Oh, see, I was thinking, I was, I was stereotyping. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting like some black tea or something like that. Um, all right, uh, favorite remote work playlist or music music genre to listen to that you listen to. I go to two extremes. I either listen to sort of fo focus like binaural beats stuff okay. to get my, my, my mind in that way, or something like aggressive, noisy and fast, like Linkin Park to, <laughs> okay. to really get to kind of up the energy levels, right? It depends where I am, what I'm doing, but yeah, those, yeah. those two very two different <laughs> ends of the spectrum. Well, I, I think I'm similar with that. Um, more on like the the hip hop version, but I will have that uh, that kind of like coffee shop ambiance uh, mm -hmm. that I'll put on in the background if I'm trying to like work on something that I need to read or like actually do stuff instead of just like the kind of autopilot task. If it's autopilot, I'll put on like hip hop, like J Cole, Drake, uh, Tupac, Snoop, mm -hmm. all them. <laughs> um, okay most creative location you've worked from remotely this could be like you felt creative or it was actually just a creative spot oh i think the best best place i've worked is going to be yeah it's at a retreat in mallorca that mm. was right right in the middle of the island in a villa kind of Ooh, almost, that sounds cool. from everything it was kind of yeah yeah was it like the awesome. tropical place or um so it's in the mediterranean uh okay. so it's it's warmer than the uk much nicer and <laughs> not as yeah, much rain sunny. no <laughs> so yeah no, that's a really 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 good place to to hang out nice nice um one essential tool or app for remote productivity Ooh, something god i don't know there's my, so my, many <laughs> yeah my mac is just yeah I, I could just go like really obvious and say my mac i can't do mm -hmm. anything without that um <laughs> but you know so, yeah i use uh i use everything from yeah yeah full-on google suites got notion slack and zoom mm -hmm. and yeah that's, yeah stuff everywhere but i think for me it's like uh i can live with just my laptop yeah that's true we, we uh i think 
was it Karen or Tammy? They mentioned uh, a timer. So that, that one threw me off a little bit. But uh, MacBook makes sense. I'm more of a, a ThinkPad person. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> um, how do you combat, or combat Zoom fatigue or MS Teams fatigue or Google Meets fatigue? Uh, well, so you can probably tell. I think last time we met, I was probably sitting down. I've got a sit-stand desk. Yep. That makes a big difference, just which is so weird. I'm in the same space, but it just feels very different, right? From, yeah. Uh, sitting down for a bit, standing up for a bit. Um, yeah, do things like that. And I know people love to have their command centers and, and things like that, but I also think for real flexibility and things, you know, I will go and take my my laptop. I'll go and like have a meeting down in my kitchen or the weather's nice. I've got the Wi-Fi goes quite far down in my back garden. So, you know, I nice. can sit outside and just kind of, you know, have another, have some, depending on the, depending on the audience of the, the Zoom meeting. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it depends, right? So, yeah, for, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's mixing up the locations and I always, I always try to make everything to a degree fun, right? You kind yeah. Of, I think the, I'm very serious about the work that I do. I think it's super important, but I mm -hmm. also like to have fun doing it. Right. So, you know, we'll, we'll have a laugh. We'll say things, you know, it's kind of like injects humor into it. There is, there's yeah. is nothing I do that's so serious. We can't at some point laugh about something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I'm the same way. Like, uh, my wife got me this cup. It says, um, you say workaholic, like it's a bad thing. And so <laughs> I love the work that I do. Um, but yeah, it's good to to have fun, to joke around. One of the ways that I come, I know this is not my lightning round, but I seem to keep answering <laughs> my own questions. Um, the one, one of the ways that I do is at the beginning of the call, now you can't do this all the time, but at the beginning of my calls, I say like, how is everybody doing? If it's on a Monday, how was your weekend? And then you, you kind of break it up and you bring in this camaraderie to a remote environment where that's where you get to know the people beyond the squares, as I was mentioning before. <laughs> and, and sometimes it can go off the rails, but I never leave the conversation feeling like that wasn't important. For now, if you're in the office, you get straight to it because you can have those conversations later. But mm. I think that those are very important. That's just my two cents. No, I, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree entirely. That's actually something that my last company we did put that into the you know, the meeting framework is that oh, nice. You know, create time for that because you you don't you say you don't have that waiting for it to start moment. You don't have that you know walking to and from the meeting room moments where you used exactly. to have this casual thing. So. You need to put that in there. You used to call it um, connection before content. A lot of the time we, Ooh, do I these, like that. we do these things, you know, it's kind of something specific. It doesn't have to be long, just like two or three minutes, but you know, it's kind of a, a bit of chat, humanize it, right? Yeah. And humanize each other so that you can have a, a better, more well-rounded connected conversation. Yeah. And that's a good call out there is humanizing it because I think, as we see with online on social media trolls, so to speak, right? Where they're very much more aggressive than they would be in person. Mm 
So you meet some of these people online who are like what they call keyboard warriors and they say all these aggressive, terrible, mean things, but then you meet them in person and they're like totally different. And so like, if we can bring that humanization into, not that this is happening at companies, hopefully it's not, if it is leave, um, yeah. <laughs> simple and plain, just leave. Um, but yeah, so I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. Um, okay. We got a few more. Okay. <laughs> then, I'll, then I'll finally let you go. Um, Name one unexpected benefit of remote work for you. Me, us uh, being able to walk the dog, right? Oh, yeah. Of like, uh, you know, get the kids to school, walk the dog, back at the desk with my coffee by like 9.15. Nice. You know, it's kind of, it's I good. like that. I like that. I like that. I need to do that more. <laughs> um, this is my favorite question to ask is remote work pet peeve. What drives you crazy? Oh, <laughs> there's so many, probably. Yeah, <laughs> there, are, there are many. Um, I think probably my uh, the thing that really annoys me is the um, the laptop at the beach. That photo, those photos. Oh it's like, yeah, you know, it's got remote working. It's kind of like, <laughs> and the, you know, the problem with that is it. It creates this picture for the execs and the leaders to say, look, remote working, that's lazy, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's what I do on my holiday is I take my laptop on holiday. That's all they're done. They're on holiday. Yeah. Right? They're not working as hard as they could be or doing this, right? And it's, that might not be the reality, but that's the perception that comes out. So that is, yeah. you know, that kind of, whatever every I see kind of one of those, it kind of, you know, makes... It makes me cringe and say, no, <laughs> you're just, uh, you're not helping us here. Yeah. So, you know. We got to change our marketing material now. Uh, I think we have a couple of pictures oh. of those. <laughs> we'll tag you in all of them. Just yeah. to... <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. The last one, uh, describe your dream virtual team building activity. Oh, oh virtual team building. Um, good that's a, such a good question <laughs> you see yeah, my, my mind automatically just goes to the we'll go here and do that right? yeah we'll go yeah. there and do this <laughs> so yeah um and you know this is something we actually struggled with during the you know during the pandemic kind of like mm -hmm. everyone would kind of start running out of ideas pretty quickly <laughs> you know yeah. from uh you know from uh you know quizzes to kind of, we're going to do uh some says we're going to do cocktail making. So well, half the people don't drink. Yeah. So it's kind Ooh, of like, yeah, that's, that, yeah. you know, and it's kind of, yeah, it opens up this whole, this whole can of worms. <laughs> um, yeah, I did, for me, it was just, uh, something we did do that was, uh, that was, that was quite entertaining. It was, it was around Christmas time. And there was a thing where basically we created a, a video for the region of uh everyone in there um you know we have the i think you call them the ugly sweaters we just we just call oh them, yeah 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 we just call them christmas jumpers but you know <laughs> and it's kind of like everyone doing that and doing some type of wearing that doing some type of dance or some movement something on just kind of like put it all to all to music put it all together mm -hmm. and it kind of um you know and although this was all kind of done individually it all kind of came together as like a mm -hmm. really cool sort of team output thing yeah, right. so it was kind of, uh, it's, it was, so it's an interesting exercise in how you can do asynchronous 
virtual team <laughs> yeah sort of collaboration, that's true. right yeah so, which i hadn't i hadn't actually thought about it that way until just just mentioned it right now but yeah it's yeah kind of like, it, you know because actually it did we, we created something together that was fun and it's funny and you know everyone was involved but we didn't all sit down together and do it at the same time yeah that's interesting we, we haven't heard that yet uh that's very cool. Yeah, because asynchronous can still bring people together. We, we we did like a talent show. And so like people would submit like two or three minute videos. Actually, it was 60 seconds and people broke the rules. I'm still bitter. <laughs> I'm, I'm bitter about that. But uh, <laughs> but that's what we did, actually. And, and But then we I think we did come together and watch it together. So you could do asynchronous and then come together synchronously to, to mm -hmm. watch it. So that's now my brain's spinning. I'm going to come up with some ideas here. Um, yeah. but that's it. You, you passed the lightning round. Awesome. Um, nobody fails <laughs> just to, just to make you feel better. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to say thank you so much for being on here. Uh, where can people find you if they want to learn a little bit more about you, or I know that you hold uh, strategy sessions and they can work with you. Where can they find you? Sure. So yeah, either easiest places like simonhomes.com, uh, mm -hmm. it's the, the main website, or I'm pretty active over on LinkedIn. Those yep. are the two, two places to find me. I think my username on LinkedIn is Simon D. Holmes. Okay. So I had to put in the middle initial there because someone <laughs> someone got in before me. Yeah, um, I, I'm the same way. And I feel a little arrogant when I have it because it's Zachary Wright MBA. And it's like, oh, <laughs> he had to be that guy. But it makes people easier to find me. Um, yeah. But no, thank you again so much. I think a lot of the listeners will will have a lot to think about, to take away, and hopefully implement into their organization. We'll put uh, your strategy session in the uh, show notes and everything. But again, thank you so much for, for being here and being a part of Untangled Minds. That's great. It's me. my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Zach. 